0: or starting a successful business, or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. So this week, we are talking wine, okay? I have Helen Johannesson, who is the founder of Helen's Wines, which if you're in LA, this is like iconic. And she's also the co-founder of John and Vinny's, which again is iconic. But Helen essentially specializes in wines, specifically clean wines. And so in today's episode, we do a deep dive into everything. I'm talking red, white, orange, rosé, like literally everything And I ask her how to spot a good bottle, how to get better at understanding wines and everything in between. I feel like wines historically have been a really like, I don't know, intimidating space. And I think things started to change during the pandemic where everyone was bored at home, like drinking wine and, you know, wines became this like trendy thing. But I think that it's really important for us to kind of be discerning customers, especially when we're going out for dinner and, you know, a bottle can be really confusing. So I think this episode is really, really packed with good education. And Helen is, oh my God, she has such good energy. She is so so fucking cool so I'm really excited for us to dive into this episode and for me to bring you this conversation with her before we get into the show let's discuss this week's hot tip which is actually a kindle I don't know what the hell I was doing without a kindle all this time I mean I was that type of person who I I was like you know I like to read a hard copy book before bed. And yes, you know, there's something to it, but there's also so much value in having a Kindle. Guys, this thing is so light. And what I love about it is the fact that I can just turn the lights off, use my Kindle before bed and go to sleep. It, I mean, I was already a pretty voracious reader, but the Kindle has upped my game beyond measure. I'm going to do like a whole podcast episode on how I read books because I use my Kindle only at night to read fiction. It's like a a weird thing that I have, which I'll explain in like a whole episode. But if you haven't yet or are on the fence about a Kindle, I'm telling you it is a game changer. So I think you guys will like it. All right. So this week's review comes to us from Erin Barrick. She says, I have recently found the Dream Bigger podcast and I absolutely love it. I love the guests. I love the interviews. I have learned a lot of useful information. It's been one great guest after another. Love it. Aaron, this is such a nice review. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave it. And you guys, I've said this before, but if you do have a second and feel like the show brings you value, please, please take the time to rate and review the show. All you have to do is go to the Apple podcast app, scroll to the bottom where it says, rate and review the show. If you feel like I've deserved it, please leave the show a five-star rating. And in the review section, tell me what you're loving about the show, topics that interest you, guests you want to see. Honestly, just whatever information you want to leave me. I really value hearing from you guys. And I feel like it helps me be a better host. It helps me bring awesome guests on. And of course it helps indicate to Apple that you guys are liking the show. And so it brings on new people into this community. So if you do have a second, please leave a review. And with that, let's welcome Helen to the Dream Bigger podcast. So I have many questions for you, but I want to start with like a wine 101. Okay. Okay. So if someone
1: is wanting to get into wines, where the hell do they start? Because I feel like it can be intimidating. Oh, it is such an intimidating topic there. And now it's a trendy topic too, which I also feel like it kind of makes it even more intimidating because then you want to be cool and not say the wrong thing. But what I always tell people is, what does it mean get into wine? Do you want to just know more as an at-home drinker? hmm you need to be like more open and explore different types of wine. And by that, I mean different grapes mm-hmm. and regions to start because then you start building your palate index, which is basically how your taste buds are categorizing and interacting with what different grapes grown in different soil tastes like. And that's really what Helen's is about is identifying like the dopest soil in the best regions made by cool ass farmers and bringing that to everybody in a wine shop. But, and I'll just go back to your original question, Mm -hmm. it automatically makes it a little bit more intimidating because these are harder to understand wines because maybe the labels don't read the region or they're more niche or they're esoteric. So what I always tell people to do is if you're a passionate at-home drinker and you want to know more, You A, taste more. B, find a wine shop that you know and trust and can talk to people Mm -hmm. there who don't condescend to you, who want to take you on a journey. Mm -hmm. And then I would say read, but everybody learns differently. So I learn by doing, tasting, seeing, feeling, Mm -hmm. experiencing. And then reading after helps contextualize for me. What
0: do you read? Like, what are some resources? (laughs)
1: Like, I have these thick-ass books in my house that are so funny because my husband's like, oh my God, like, the book of Bergen that's not the name of it but it's like all about burgundy <laughs> and like literally have never cracked it no I think I cracked it once it was like yeah. in the beginning I got all these fancy books uh-huh. I read like certain travel blogs if I want to you know honestly Japanese tourists take some of the best photos of wow. some of the most like small winemakers that is hard to google hard to find what does their cellar look like what are they really making natural wine, like what's happening. But I also read like current wine writers who are part of the like wine. Who are your favorites? I mean, I got to shout out my girl, Marissa Ross, even though she's kind of retired from wine writing, but she did write a book called Wine All the Time. Mm-hmm. So I guess my and Alice Firing is, I think, relevant as well. I tend to latch on more to the female writers. But I do think like critics are wine critics of Publications like New York Times and LA Times, they do have a, a place and a space, but I always question what motivates them. But I think reading, subscribing to magazines, reading certain articles online, I think the digital content you're going to find is easier to digest. Mm-hmm. But I always recommend one book. Yeah. So back to how do you learn more about wine? One foundational book, it's called Windows on the World. And it's like was written by the wine director of the Windows on the World restaurant that was in the Twin Towers, which unfortunately no longer exists. But it's this really amazing, just basic intro to wine. And I put that in air quotes Mm -hmm. because it's not about natural wine. It's not about pet gnats. It's about how how does this whole thing work? Mm -hmm, And I think mm -hmm. once you crack that open, then your mind can kind of layer knowledge in easier. That
0: is so cool. I'm going to
1: read all of these books. (laughs) So funny story about myself
0: and my husband during mm-hmm. the pandemic, we started a ray, and we also yep. got really into wine. Okay. Amazing. It's, I mean, there. what else was there to do? As we all had yeah, to. Right. I feel like to, that's yes. where the coolness inflection point was. <laughs> it was COVID. Everyone was at home, like crying into their wine glasses, like <laughs> swirl from, cry. Swirl, yeah, it's cry, exactly. Yeah. But if someone is wanting to become kind of a little bit more of a discerning at home drinker, How do you recommend they get their palates used to specific grapes? Like, do you do you recommend, like, okay, like first, like try like a bunch of Pinot Noirs and then Cabs or like what's your kind of process?
1: Yes. I mean, okay, so we're talking about red wine grapes first. The process I usually usually we get people who only drink Mm full-bodied reds. So they're going for that like Cabernet Sauvignon. like Meritage blends, Mm Bordeaux. This is what they're really after. And I try and scoop people lighter first without getting too esoteric in the tertiary or like secondary notes that could come out. So we're like, how do we keep something fruit forward? Because usually those wines have that fruit forward or dry, but lighten the body, which means the grapes are thinner skin, but maybe they hold similar characteristics. So I would scoot someone towards, scoot, scoot. I'd scoot them towards like a Gamay or Mm. a Pinot Noir or something that I know is a little fruity, not sweet, just fruity and giving, but doesn't have as much tannic structure. And then you can start layering more esoteric flavors. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that you got to go baby steps. And most people, you need to train your palate to accept new flavors. It's just like food. Some people, it'll be much easier for. They're like, I love this. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, exposure is the only thing that's going to get them excited about something new. Do you use the app or have you heard of the app Vivino? I have heard of it. Yeah. The Yelp of wine. Seriously, (laughs) I don't use it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I get why it's a great tool for people. Why don't you love it, though? I don't love it when people come into our shop and they're like, ask you a question, "Mm, one second, and then like Vivino, the wine in front of you. I feel like
0: that may have been me. It's not you. (laughs) No,
1: I mean, I get and I also get why it's happening. But what's weird is like the price might be the New York price and everything in New York is cheaper if it's Mm -hmm. European because it's not traveling as far. And then you get into this awkward thing. But if it was you. I'm sorry. I didn't. I I always just cuddle people. Whenever I want to do like, what the fuck? I'm just like, no, come into my arms. <laughs> put down the phone. Let's engage. So then, talk to me about
0: you know, you go to a wine shop. How do you know? if you're going some, and maybe this is like, I don't know, like more of a philosophical question. I don't know if like, we're like psychological, but like, how do you identify if like someone's just trying to like sell you shit versus like actually cares about like, you know, you getting the thing that you're out to get. Oh my
1: gosh, such a good question. Vibes. I would say vibes, vibes, vibes. You know, if, you immediately want someone to walk away from you, then I don't think y'all are going to jive on what tastes good. I also think personal hygiene. I mean, these all sound crazy, but like, I don't know. Like, you don't need to be stressed a certain way, but like cleanliness or taking care of yourself, it's all interrelated to like scent and not how you smell, just how you engage with your Mm -hmm. sensory Mm -hmm. self. Mm -hmm. But I would say you just need to at least start to have a conversation. I think a lot of people get intimidated and shut down and you have to just plow through that and just be like, I'm the customer. I'm paying for something. I may know less, but I know what I like or I know what I want. I think like some wine shops are better than others. It really depends on what your style of wine you want to get is. Mm -hmm. I always say like avoid a grocery store. They probably don't know, but now like Erwan's really trying to up their game. And I'm just like, whatever, Erwan. Let's talk lashes specifically, long,
0: luscious lashes, because for the longest time, mine were far from it. So between the years of 2018 and 2020, I was on the lash extension train. And then 2020 hit, we all went into lockdown, my lash extensions fell off and my real lashes were short and stubbly, aka non-existent. Over the last two years, they've definitely gotten so much better, but nowhere near what I consider long and, you know, what I would like it to be. I'd been wanting to try a lash serum for a while, but I was always on the fence about whether it would even work. People always have mixed reviews when it comes to lashes. Anyway, long story short, I saw someone I know who I really trust have a 180 transformation with lash serum. And I decided I was going to take the plunge. My serum of choice was the essential serum by Babe Original. You guys, it's been almost six weeks since I started using it. And the results are pretty incredible. My lashes look insane when I have mascara on. They look so, so long. And even Nish has noticed a difference. So I feel like, you know, the results are kind of undeniable. Babe Original promises longer looking lashes in as little as six weeks and is so confident in their results that they have a 90-day satisfaction guarantee. Personally, I couldn't be more impressed. And this is one of those products that I see myself using for life. Babe Original has offered you guys a special code. Use the code DREAMBIGGER at checkout to save 15% off your order. You and your long lashes can thank me later. This episode is brought to you by Waterdrop, the new go-to hydration brand. Listen, one of the best and easiest wellness tips is drinking more water. I've grown up always drinking plenty of water because my mom was one of those crazy moms that couldn't stop going on and on about water intake. And I have to say it was annoying at the moment, but it's led to really great skin. And, you know, as I've gotten into wellness, I know that it's also led to really, really good digestion. That being said, I feel like if you don't enjoy the taste and experience of drinking water, you're just not going to want to drink enough of it enter Waterdrop. They created these small and convenient effervescent cubes that add flavor and vitamins to your water, which are easy to use even on the go. They have a ton of flavors from berry and fruity to citrusy and herbal. Hot tip, try the Sky flavor. It's my favorite. It tastes like passion fruit, pink berry, and cactus fruit. I put it in some ice water and it's so refreshing and delicious. Waterdrop is really committed to sustainability. The brand was started to encourage hydration, but without creating another bottled or canned product. To reduce single-use plastic bottles, they also offer glass and steel bottles in a ton of different designs. I'm currently using their steel bottle in this super pretty shade of mint, and it keeps my water ice cold for up to 24 hours. Head to the WaterDrop website and use the code DREAMBIGGER for a special 15% discount. Browse their collection of micro drinks, glass and steel bottles, carafes glasses and more that is the code dream bigger again enjoy <laughs> I will say though, John and Vinny's and Helen's was actually like one of the first places I went to to eat out in LA. Oh,
1: amazing. Um, Thank you.
0: And I like went to first, we like got the whole recommendation for like what we should have drank at the table. And like whoever you had who was doing that was amazing. And then we went to pick up a bottle and it was like such a nice experience. It was like speaking to a friend and we were like guided through it so easily. And, you know, I think I think that people don't realize that like wine can be a little bit more laid back too. I think that there is this kind of stereotype that it's a little stuffy. And I think that you kind of bust through that. Helen's as a brand.
1: Thank you. I mean, that is so great to hear, first of all. But I that is what we aim to do without aiming to do it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of companies are a reflection of top-down leadership. totally, And so... I can say that like a lot of John and Vinny's and Helen's is built around John, Vinny, and I mm-hmm. as people, how we engage with dining, what we had a vision for that space. But for the sommelier team, it's like, and we call them the SOM team. Even that, we shorten it to SOM because mm-hmm. we don't want to be like, do you want the sommelier to mm-hmm. come over? Even though I'm fine dining trained, like mm-hmm. I've worked at, at very high-end restaurants, creating that experience is like that comfort. Like how do we get you comfortable and getting what you want? satisfaction yeah we I feel so grateful we attract they just come to us you know it's very cool it's like I would say it was one of the first experiences where I was like
0: oh my god like people are really laid back here is this a California thing or (laughs) no it was a Helen's thing I
1: mean maybe both but I think it's definitely a Helen's thing no it was um, very cool though I have to say
0: so I want to talk about like since we are talking about specific wines I know right now actually let's go back to reds how yeah. do you identify a good bottle of red?
1: Yeah. Or do you mean a good bottle or what makes it expensive or cheap? Yeah. Or what, let's how do you that. define yes, a good bottle? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I think about this a lot and actually talk about it. The reason red wine is expensive or wine in general is expensive is because it's from like one specific site. It's from a very expensive vineyard or the land is expensive or it's got prestige or it's a limited quantity. So let's just take like, the nicest burgundy is La Romani Conti. And I've seen this vineyard and the shit is perfect. Like, it's like the perfect slope. Like, if you were a vineyard, you want to be that vineyard. It's like every woman wants to be that woman's body, whatever. It's like vineyards. You, you get what I'm <laughs> saying. It's a perfect hump, lumps, whatever. You know, my lovely, yeah. And when you start thinking about that's what makes wine expensive, the other thing that makes wine expensive in the marketplace is hype. So like, all right, it's marketing dollars behind it. So you don't have to spend a lot of money to have a really good red wine. You just have to understand quality versus how much you're paying for something. And quality, in my opinion, comes down to the integrity and who's making it. So you can probably have a hard time finding something as delicious at $20 as like a $500 bottle of Pinot Noir, you're not really going to find a Pinot Noir that's $20 that they're not going to taste the same because there's a reason the $500 one is that expensive. But you could also find like a $20 bottle of Beaujolais from Gamay and it's delicious and it's tasting. you feel like it's high quality because it's made really well. So I think that's the key is like, you can't ball out with no money all the time, mm-hmm. but you can definitely spend... and get an amazing bottle of wine, or you could spend 18 and get something so good. You want to gulp it down like Gatorade. Talk to me about, (laughs) I'm not advocating for that also. (laughs) Sometimes though, you know, sometimes.
0: What about when you go to a restaurant? Like, I I don't know if it's just me. I'm sure you've noticed this too, though, that like You'll get the wine menu and sometimes it's not the most expensive wine that's the best wine. 100%. Why why are they doing that? Is it because of the vineyard
1: or like is it a marketing thing? Like what the hell's going on there? Well, it depends what their thought process is about the wine and what your personal taste is. But I would say that it's all about the buyer. You know, a lot of wine lists are dictated by one person. So one person is tasting these wines and curating a wine list based on their individual palate that is supposed to connect with all different types of customers. I think that sometimes an expensive wine, it could be expensive and really fit to like a niche palate. So like, Certain wines from Italy can be very dry. And like, it's like a cat licking your tongue. Mm -hmm. Like it's like dry, dry. And some people are really after that. You know, Barolo can be very eucalyptus and dry. And it's made from Nebbiolo fruit. And it might not connect with people, but it's going to cost more than $100. Whereas you might have like this luscious, soft, like giving Pinot Noir. And for you, you're like, this is way more delicious. And that one's so expensive. And it's, again, back to the place.
0: The soil, Interesting. the
1: land, it's...
0: And then also like where it's coming from, I guess, like import fees or whatever that is.
1: 100%. There are certain wines out there that are more expensive than they should be. Uh-huh. And that has to do with like marketing dollars, hype, just like the cachet it might have or the pervasiveness. Uh-huh. Like, I'll give you an example. Yeah, and don't be... take it like if... Whispering Angel is oh like a God. perfect example. Are you
0: freaking kidding me? Tell I have you, that girl. as a question.
1: I'll tell you what the deal is. Okay,
0: tell me the deal. I was gonna, I'm gonna ask tell you. Tell <laughs> you
1: the deal. So, like to me, Whispering Angel is like the McDonald's of Rose. And I don't mean that as like it's trash, even though I do kind of personally feel like it's trash. Yeah. What I mean is it is a product that's made the same consistently year after year. So that if you've had it, Yes. every time you open a bottle, you take that first sip you know what it is, right? Tastes the same. Mm-hmm. You're like, ah. Oh. That to me is problematic because wine is a living thing mm-hmm. and it should taste different mm-hmm. from 2020, 21, 2022. The other thing is to be at the scale that Whispering Angel's at, they tinker with it, you know? And so there's impurity to that that I don't appreciate. I It's a shutdown product to me. It has additives in it. So... While it's like you open it, it's this agricultural product. All I taste is like the chemical side of it. Someone poured it in my glass a couple of weeks ago. I didn't know what it was. And I like took one sip and I was like, is this Whispering Angel? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to have to get something else. But I'm not trying to be bougie or a dick because like a lot of bougie people drink Whispering Angel, right? Like it's got that like cachet. Yeah, yeah. But I guarantee, if you start drinking a few other rosés and then try to go back, you'd have a really hard time. Okay, it's about exposure. So
0: I need to understand rosés because I'm, I like, I love my reds. Okay, and I've, I like, barely any exposure to rosé. I drink it in the summer and typically it is Whispering Angel, but I want to understand a little bit more because I know that that's not what the wine world has to offer.
1: But they've done a really good job. Like it's trusted. You're like, I'm not going to hate it. So you go into a a grocery store and you're like, perfect. Okay, $34.99, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And I get that thought process. So Rosé... Crash course. Yeah, give us a crash
0: course on rosé.
1: Rosé is made from red wine grapes. Mm -hmm. It's basically like a quick impression of a red wine grape. So the skins are what makes red wine red. So rosé being a quick impression. And by quick, I mean like the skins and the juice are going to connect for uh, hours. Mm -hmm. Sometimes not that. Sometimes it's just a direct press Mm -hmm. and there is no interaction. So that's why rosé is pink Mm -hmm. because it's very light touch of those skins. And that's why rosé is very light. It doesn't have a lot of tannic structure and mm-hmm. it's not meant to age very long. It's supposed to be a quaffable, fun drink. Now there's caveats to that. There's some rosés that are very high level, but we're not talking about those. No. We're talking about like pool Easy party sippers. exactly, yes. Yeah. You want to drink current vintage. And what I mean by that is like the latest release of rosé. You don't want to age it. You don't want to save it. Oh, okay. So this year, 2022, most rosés you're going to drink are 2021 vintage. So they were... They were grown and bottled last year. Right. But that's the fresh factor. And maybe you could save it till next year, but you don't want to like sit on them the way a red wine, you could sit on it a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Rosé is made all over the world. It's made from all different types of grapes. Whispering Angel Abel (laughs) is from Provence in France, which I think is the most famous rosé like region. region, And it's what gave light to the rosé season because all the Provence rosés are released in April, Mm. which like starts the season. And some killer rosés. Like I'm talking some of my favorites. Okay. What are your favorites? Well, I love OG like Bandol is an area in Provence. It's like a sub region. So I love Chateau Saint-Anne and I love Domaine Tampier for if you're going Bandol rosé, which is like very kind of a specific style. And that's made from Grenache and Mouvedre with a little bit of Syrah. So if we're also talking about Provence, I like Domaine gavoti. So this is like a more value-driven mm-hmm, wine mm-hmm. and it's going to have that color of Whispering Angel. It's made from Cinsault, Grenache, Syrah. So these like red wine grapes, but it just has a little bit more energy to it, mm-hmm. more interesting flavors. It has a succulent quality that just like salivates your lips, makes you want to go back for more. I don't know, all these components where it's like, I wouldn't want to add ice to it because it would dilute its magic. So what are your
0: favorite, like, do you have specific brands or like bottles that you love from these areas?
1: Those? Yeah. I mean, those like are little chateau houses. Oh, okay, like, Got it. Got it. Got it. No, no, no. Sorry if that wasn't. So like Bandol's a region. And within that, I like Domaine okay. Pompier. And so, yeah, I mean, I have like specifics for everything, but I think that's sometimes if I go too deep into it, I think mm-hmm. that's where it like starts building a weird wall mm-hmm. when the wine isn't in front of me to someone like you, who's like, I don't really know what you're talking about. You no, know what I'm I mean? Just, like, I'm so interested and like, going, but- <laughs> yeah. Th-
0: and, and then the other thing is what is with these extra
1: sweet rosés, which tastes like I mean. freaking cough syrup? It happens. Also the jalapeno rose trend. I'm not with what? it. I don't like it. There's like what this the TikTok heck? trend with like <laughs> people putting jalapeno slices in their rose to make it what? A weird so margarita? Messages. Yeah. Like I was like, I get why you might want to do it. But I don't like it. Sweet rose. I think the originator of that would be white Zinfandel, which mm-hmm. is like 80s, 90s, California. There was like Behringer not behind this, but there was this rosé that was very famous that was always sweet. Mm -hmm. Sweet rosé is not a category we have at the shop. We have some sparkling rosés that are sweet, but I do think that some are made to be sweet. So they might not be naturally sweet. So this is what I mean, right? Like one thing is that you know you're in for like, you're going
0: and you want to buy like a sweet wine and you buy like a sweet rosé. Okay, no problem. But like, you know, when you're just going and you're just innocently looking for a rosé and then you bring it home and it's, Like you thought
1: it was going to be something and it isn't. It's just the worst feeling in the world. It really does break your heart. It's like when you get takeout and the food is like so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, it's like, I can't eat it. I really can't (laughs) eat it. Like what happened? Yeah, you pour down the sink. I mean, and there's no way to fix a sweet wine. Like you could try and add lemon juice. That would be, and maybe soda water and make it a spritz. But are they adding sweeteners? Like what the hell is going on? So the way a wine is made sweet naturally is there's a couple ways. But one way is that, You let the sugar index, so like how much sugar is in the grape before you pick it, Mm -hmm. exceed a certain point. Mm, Okay. And it's greater than the acidity that's in that grape. So that is going to naturally make it sweeter. Another way is that something could be a little sweet if you don't let it fully ferment, which sounds like abstract, but basically the process of fermentation to create alcohol is the yeast eats the sugar Mm -hmm. that's in the vat of wine as it's fermenting and converts it to alcohol. Got it. So that's when like at a certain process, it tips the scales from being like not sweet, but fruit sweet. Like you're eating a grape sweet to them being like a bone dry white wine. Got it. Got it. Um, It makes sense. A lot of people add, you know, it's like the beauty industry, wine's unregulated. So there's all kinds of shit that's added to wine. It's not real like sugar syrups and high concentrated fructose and stuff like that. What? Yeah. girl. it's like so dark. It's dark and it's sad. And it's like there's a side of wine that's mass production and it's unregulated. You're never going to turn a back label and be like, you've got like mega purple and like big red, which are basically like these like viscous, thick syrups. There's mass produced cheap red wine where... They don't age the wine in oak, but they put like wood chips in and like stir it with a paddle. And Is so this it a like joke? Gives... no, it's not. So it's no, like, no, no. Actually, and... so gross. But you're probably not going to go to a restaurant, yeah. and get this. But like you might encounter it out in the world, like more at a grocery store. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't want to talk too much shit, but so
0: talk to me then about clean wines because I feel yeah. like people are so confused. And yes, there's like organic wines, but you know when you're looking at the Europe like the the Italian section or whatever, like European sections, typically in the vintage Mm -hmm. section, it doesn't necessarily specify that it's organic. So like, what is someone even supposed to look
1: for? It's sort of the, I would say international conundrum, right? I think that as the American, let's talk about the American Mm -hmm. consumer, as they have become more savvy and more curious about like, what is in my wine? Or I want to know how it was made more there are not, there's been no revealing points. So there's no like clean certification. There's organic, there's biodynamic, Mm -hmm. which can both be certified. But like most of the bottles in my shop, you're not going to see, oh, this is like organic or biodynamic. It's, I know that they are, they might not put it on their label or it costs tax money to put it on their label. Like there's all kinds of government shit that creates barriers to entry to be more transparent as well. There are brands who are trying to, like, move into that, quote unquote, like, clean wine space. And that has its own sort of definition, which isn't officially defined, but has to do with, like, adding things or taking things away. So, like, what I was saying, it's not necessarily going to be 100% organic, but you know that like the fruit was grown and then once it's in the cellar, it's not like a science experiment going on.
0: So then if there aren't these like labels no. and you know, how
1: how do you know? And like, how yeah. does a consumer even know what they're drinking? So one thing I recommend is, so how I, you know, what I do as a buyer is I work with different importers and distributors. Mm-hmm. So I know some of the winemakers personally, but they're all, it's like having- if you're an artist, you have an art gallery rep you. And then like you want to be in an art gallery that has like a like minded or everyone's kind of at a cool level. Mm -hmm. So there's importers and distributors who have like a collective of different winemakers who usually have the same sort of ideology. They don't have the same tasting wine, but they're Mm -hmm. all either like practicing organic, sustainable. They're practicing biodynamics So I work with like 20 different importers and distributors, maybe a little more, who I know has a baseline of quality. They know my expectation. And then you can do research and you know, okay, let me put it to you this way. I was driving on the 101 once and I drove past this truck and I was like, oh, that's so crazy. It was like a truck full of foxy, you know, like the iceberg lettuce. Mm-hmm. And it was like foxy organic. And I was like, that looks exactly just like regular foxy. Mm-hmm. Organic is on that just as like a label. Mm-hmm. So the same thing is applicable to wine, whereas you can grow a wine organically. Then you take that organic grapes you grow, put it in your cellar. And some people will like add acidifiers or add sugar or sort of manipulate it to get the flavor and fullness and texture they want, or they'll use certain yeast to bring out certain enhancements. I know that, like, one reason people can shop at Helen's and know is that, like, I'm going to do the research. Mm. I'm going to make sure that everything coming through my doors is at a quality level. Got it. And so that's why I always say, you know, find a wine shop that you know and trust or join a wine club that you know and trust that has certain standards. But you it's you'll be hard pressed to be able to go into like every wine business and have them speak that language. Some people just don't care about that stuff as much.
0: So then what about when someone is in Europe? Okay, I'm in Italy and I'm drinking my wines. Like, is it? Are these like additive processes fairly normalized there and like common there? Or is it more so something in the U.S.?
1: No, I think there's a difference between what they import, like keep and what they export. So a lot of people say to me, like, I go to Italy and I drink everything and I have no hangover and I feel great. And I think a lot of times that's because you're drinking the local wine that they're not exporting and it's small production Mm -hmm. and they're making things The way that it should be made, you know? And I think there's a a lot of wine in America is made that way as well. It's just, there's so much wine produced and so much wine consumed in the world. And if you think about people who are just like rolling into like any liquor store and trying to buy like a handle of Chablis, right? Like some massive jug. It's like, Chablis is like one of the best winemaking regions in the world, but it has like some of the best vineyards and then it has these like really sad (laughs) low lying parts on like the side of a dirt road that you're like, these grapes are real sad. And that's what's in that jug. And so it's like it's it's so complex as far as like how to crack that code. But I do think starting to get to know importers on the back. It's all on the back label. Mm. Then you can start to be like, you know what? I really like wines when it says like Zevro vine. And that's not the winemaker. That's the importer. So then you can be like, okay, I'm going to go out to eat. And I, I know these four, these three importers that I've tried wines from them and I like them and I trust them and I feel good. Then you ask the restaurant, do you have any wines from these importers? What are they? So that's a really, really good tip. Yeah. What is the
0: difference between organic and biodynamic?
1: So biodynamic, I would say, is like they're a slightly different set of rules. But Uh biodynamic is like super organic is one way to think about it. Uh It's its own thought. It's like Organic hippie vibes. It's this guy in the 1920s named Rudolf Steiner developed this whole thought process about h- agriculture that had to do with how the moon cycled through the constellations mm-hmm. and that that should inform the farming practices to create like a 365, like regenerative environment and that everything would thrive more and grow better. And there's also associated practices and, like, certain teas that are, like, natural teas that are made that are, like, put among the vines. This can be applied to more than just wine growing and making. But oftentimes, some of the best vineyards and most successful vines, because they can be a little finicky, Mm -hmm. are ones that are interplanted with, like, surrounded by olive trees or have certain herbs and stuff growing in between the vines to create natural, like, insecticides or herbicides. But... Do you, do you drink both organic and biodynamic? hmm Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So they're
1: both like good for the consumer to drink. Totally. Biodynamic is just like one step further. Uh-huh. Okay. And there's like a vibiness with it. There's a, it's based on a set of principles about farming. So you know, and that translates into the cellar. Got it. Okay. But I wouldn't say like, it's hard to go out and just be like, I only drink biodynamic wine. I mean, you could do that, but I don't think people should, Put themselves in such tight corners. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense.
0: I want to talk. Okay, you're you're gonna get so annoyed with me. I'm like every kind of wine, like let's go. Oh my god, but no. I wanna talk about orange wines mm-hmm. because I feel like they are such a thing in California. Yeah. Like it is like the hottest thing in LA, but it's like slower to trickle down in like other cities I've noticed. Like when I'm in in Toronto, like now I'm starting to notice orange wines on menus, totally. but it wasn't really a thing. So Can you explain what it is to our listeners who may
1: not know? Yes. Orange wine, (laughs) one-on-one, go. Just to take you back, orange wine was some of the first wine ever made in the history of the world. And what orange wine is, is you take a white wine, Mm -hmm. like take white wine grapes, like Chardonnay, you take Sauvignon Blanc, could be any white wine, and you're going to treat that wine in the cellar process, like after you pick the grapes, you're going to treat it like a red wine. So the skins and the juice macerate together for a longer period of time, which extracts color and vibe and texture and energy. And that is what an orange wine is. The technical term is like skin contact white wine, but street name orange wine because the color can have an orangey hue. And that's really just from the tannins in a white wine grape skin. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's really what it is. And I think, I don't know why it took, I mean, we've been serving orange wine by the glass since before John and Vinny's, because I was always into it. And I thought it was really cool. And we were doing it at Animal and Son of a Gun. And then once John and Vinny's opened and I had them on there, I think like, It started not that we started spreading it, but a group of Psalms in my community. We all were like, "This should be something that like the customer is more engaged with." It's so cool, so food friendly.
0: So, is it that orange wines are organic more than other wines? Like, is that a thing? Because I find that typically when I look at an orange wine on a menu or like even just when I'm buying wine, like it's easier to find organic or biodynamic. Is there like a link there or am I just? Insane? No,
1: I think there are 100 percent is a link. Yeah. I think it's a stylistic choice and it is more of a naturalistic wine making process. It stays more tried and true to like how cellar practice should be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you are on to it. You know, I'm may just be your new intern. Who please, knows? <laughs> please.
0: Switching directions here a little bit, I think what you've done with Helen's and of course John and Vinny's, because you're part owner there as mm-hmm. well, right? Like yeah. I think what you guys have done is beyond anything I've ever seen. Like I've never seen this sort of cult following around a restaurant. Oh my gosh. It thank is you. like restaurant and wine. Like it's fucking crazy. It's
1: cool. Yeah, it
0: was one of the first places I told you, like when I came out here last year, I'd been here like a bunch of times before then. But last year, it was one of the first places that I went out to eat. And everyone was like, John and Vinny's and Helen's. (laughs) And I was like, okay, like, let's go. This is how I'm initiated. (laughs) So how did it all start? And how do you think like, what was the secret
1: sauce? Do you think that made it take hold? Oh, my gosh, that is if that's a really good question. Sometimes we can't even believe that it has the reaction that it does. I think part of the secret sauce was, you know, it's three people who have worked in this industry their whole lives, John, Mm -hmm. Vinny, and I, who all have like an intense passion for food and environment and music and the whole experience and wanted to create a place that felt like you were getting a hug like you, we can't hug people anymore like not in this climate but you know <laughs> that 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 was the feeling and honestly when we set out to open John and Vinny's like we just knew that Instagram was a thing like we were just like let's make this place look fucking cool and do what we do and we'd always wanted to do Italian food they'd always wanted to do Italian mm-hmm. food honestly we did not know it would go to where we are today we we could have hoped and dreamed we could have been like hey we're trying to set something up but the branding, like, we chose those colors. It's, like, the, iconic. The Helens is, like, my handwriting. We, it like, is? Yeah, like, That's we— That's so cool. We didn't hire anyone. We did it with the help of some friends. But it— When we opened, we were, like, hopefully people come in the door. And then we, like, got our butts kicked because it was a lot busier than we thought. But I don't know. I think sometimes if you, like, can consistently deliver people a quality product— and they aren't disappointed by it, like the Spicy Fusilli, which is one of our pastas. Oh. And like when oh you order God. a glass of orange wine at Helen's, like this consistency, its it might not be the same orange wine, but you know that like that Spicy Fusilli is going to slap each time. So good. You build this trust in people. And I think from the get, we were really welcoming to everybody, mm-hmm. which I feel like everyone says they want to do in practice, but you really have to believe it in your heart and so it created this environment where of openness. When did you guys launch? 2015. Wow, okay. Yeah. So it's not
0: exactly been like an overnight success. Like you've you've been at it for a while. Yeah,
1: the first Fairfax opened in 2015. Uh-huh. And you know what? Honestly, Helens didn't really start cranking till 2017 because Really? Yeah, because like it was this weird room in the back of the restaurant and it didn't have the brand identity Uh that it has now. Everyone was like, John and Vinny's and like their grandma's wine (laughs) cellar, Helen. (laughs) I mean, the number of times and I was there in the restaurant, like working on the floor and people would be like, are we allowed to go in there? Is Helen their grandma? And I would be like, I am Helen. And yes, (laughs) let's go in. But we didn't sell that much wine. We sold it dine in, but not retail. Mm -hmm. And it was really humbling for me because I thought people would just come in and they knew me as a person in wine. And it was it's one of those moments as like a founder of a brand where you realize, wow, like I'm going to get out what I put into it. So I, I had to build Helen's more than we had to build John and Vinny's because it didn't really bring Helen's up with it when it shot up from like people trying that spicy fusilli. But once I showed it a little love and like dedicated most of my attention to it, It worked. So I was doing my research ahead of her interview, Mm -hmm. obviously, and
0: I learned that you worked in coffee before this, right? Why wine?
1: Wine, I mean, coffee... And did did coffee
0: prepare you for wine? Like did it help with your palate? Coffee was actually like a hiatus
1: I took. So I was like in wine in restaurants before I came to wine through food and I was in an environment where it was like toxic. And I was like, wow, maybe this industry isn't for me. So Mm -hmm. I quit. And then I was like, I'm going to work in coffee Mm because who doesn't want to know how to pull a shot? Like be a boss at a barista. I don't know. But I got really bored with cupping, like Uh tasting coffee. I was like, cause it, I could taste the different flavors, but wine was way more interesting. It was a cool adventure, but actually I was working at Intelligentsia in Venice when it first opened. When I got that call from my old chef friend who was like, you gotta meet these two guys, John and Vinny. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And was John and Vinny's and Helen's, like, was that your first business venture together? As partners, yeah. So I worked for them. For five years before that. Wow. So I started when there was just one restaurant, Animal. And then we grew and I was like our director of ops and beverage director. And then I they always knew I wanted my own business. Mm-hmm. And so it came to a point where I kind of burn out on doing the operations. Yeah. And operations is a creative. bitch. Let it's me tell so you. Hard. It's so hard. You know what? God bless literally the best. We have a great director of ops right now. She's incredible. But... I was like, I think I got to go do my own thing. And they were basically like, well, whatever you do, we want to do with you. It was really sweet. Like, we want to be in the business of you, which is like adorable. That's actually so cute. And then they were like, we have this space. Mm -hmm. It has like this really cool liquor license. We could do a restaurant and a retail store. And that's how John and Vinny's and Helen's came to be. And we named it after ourselves kind of ironically, because we're like, we're in L.A. Everyone's a brand brand. (laughs) It really worked out. I know. I know. Now it's like funny, but. So talk to me about, say
0: someone in our audience wants to start their own restaurant and wine shop. Sure. What, what do they not know about it? Like, what will you tell them about the, because like right now, you know, someone looks at Helen's and John and Vinny's, it's like, you know, this crazy
1: bit, everyone knows it. Mm, But what did it take to get here? So much hard work, long hours nights weekends like all of it it's it's a lot it's and my life is really different now I will Mm -hmm. say that we're at this size than it was even five years ago Mm -hmm. but like 10 years ago I worked six nights a week like I took one day off every day like every week and John and Vinny worked the same way and Mm -hmm. we would and I'm not saying that is what's required but I do think that There is a lot of work that goes into restaurants to make it work because it's such a hard business if you can't get the formula right. And the formula I mean is that your sales balance with your expenses so that you make money. It's one of the hardest businesses to like succeed in, right? And margins are tight. Retail wine is even tighter. So if someone's going to go open a wine shop, I would say like, where is it? Make sure there is foot traffic that's visible you know that you really have a passion for it because from the outside I think restaurants seem glamorous but like we're obsessed with it we live it we breathe it like I couldn't imagine doing anything else and some people get into it and they're like this shit is not for me Mm -hmm. and like
0: well you see a lot of restaurants open and close and I've found that the ones that have legs and longevity it's like people who are like so passionate about it typically mm-hmm. are like obsessed with what they're like you know if it's like sushi then like maybe yeah. they've been in sushi for a long time maybe they're a sushi totally. chef or they maybe they went to Japan like inter- I don't know like you know what I mean like there's kind <laughs> of like fish yeah and they it, like and then they it, made rice. you know yeah. it's like a whole thing or like you yeah know, it, it's, I agree it's not just like oh like that business seems lucrative like let me get into it I just don't think food works like that
1: no but I mean look I talked to this woman yesterday as a uh-huh. favor to a friend yeah she's opening a wine shop in another country, uh-huh. wanted to get my advice. And I was just kind of talking to her and giving her advice to the questions she had. And in my mind, I was like, I just don't even think she knows what she's getting into. Mm-hmm. Like, it it's so hard. Mm-hmm. But I also was like, go, go on with your bad self. Like, yeah. maybe you're the next, like, Alice Waters. And who the fuck am I to tell you not to do it? Like, I was like, go, girl. I'll
0: do it. <laughs> yeah! Just a cheerleader. I love it. Basically. So if someone wants to go visit some really good vineyards in California,
1: sure. what are your favorites? I mean, it kind of depends which region. I think they're Let's like. Let's do you, first near L.A. There's one of my favorite people making wine closest to L.A. is mm-hmm. this woman named Gina and mm-hmm. Lady of the Sunshine. She's like practicing biodynamics. She's right outside of San Luis Obispo, which mm-hmm. I guess is a little bit farther up. I think if people want to have like a swanked out mm-hmm. experience, but the wine's good, there's a place outside of Santa Barbara called Presquile. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Also, Coca Lico is really cool. A lot of awesome California wine is made In one location, but the winemakers, like, are growing grapes Mm.
0: all over. Mm
1: -hmm. So that's what I mean is, like, I'm really obsessed with these wines called Ashanta. Mm -hmm. And they're made by this husband and wife team, Noah and Will. And her family has roots up in Napa. But they like have vineyards everywhere. So it'd be really hard to visit them technically. And Got so it. there's a lot of winemakers I support like that. As far as like, uh-huh. I think it's good to go to regions. I mean, yeah. if you go to Napa, Sonoma, there's different experiences you could have. Like you want an OG mega experience, you could try and go to like Maya Kemis or Colgan. And these are like titans of Cabernet and Chardonnay. And like I would never knock that experience because it's pretty epic. But mm-hmm. if you want something from in Napa that's a little more salt of the earth, mm-hmm. you could go to a place like Mathiasin, which is like a straight up farm. Mm-hmm. You want something a little more trendy, you go to Scribe. But- those are all experiences that are being packaged with the wine. Yeah. It doesn't mean they don't have integrity. It just means it's like, it's its own thing. There's this guy I know outside of Cambria, which isn't like a very well-known winemaking region, but his name is Raj Par. And he is got this crazy farm going and it's not to the public, but I bet if you like emailed him that you want to go see Phelan Farm, it's like P-H-E-L-A-N. He's doing really, really amazing things there. So it's, I have suggestions like all over that was just like all over. The no, I, I actually
0: love that because it yeah. gives people like a wide range of places to mm-hmm. go because, you know, I think people come to California and they're like, oh, wine, you know, yeah. they don't know
1: where to go. You, I mean, if you, you could go to Pasadena and visit VDC, which is a lovely husband and wife couple, they're making natural wine in Pasadena and they source grapes and they're making the wine right next to their wine shop. Like, which is really, really interesting mm-hmm. and it's cool. And it's like, that's a very like garage wine vibe, yeah. you know? So cool. Yeah. Okay. And
0: this now we're getting into selfish question territory. Let's go there. What are your favorite restaurants and like places to go in LA specifically? Listen, I'm new, Helen. Okay. Yes, and I have I access to like I'll the, share my Yelp.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're like- Four or five favorites. Oh my gosh. There's so many. But I would just like to preface by saying there's too many to list. Okay. Okay, It's my birthday next week. It's my birthday next week. Where do I go? Oh my God. All right. Before, I got to say, within our family, Animal and Son of a Gun are like the best. Animal just reopened. It's the shit. It's on Fairfax. It's the OG. I've not it's been. John Vinny's first restaurant. It's so delicious. It's I just, have to go. It's not like people used to think it's like freaky meat, but yeah. it's so good. The hamachi tostada. That sounds amazing. It's, it's absolutely heaven. I eat a lot. I, I really like found oyster. Which I've is heard a really, really good things. Yeah. I mean, that you can't make a reservation. So you have to be down to like mm-hmm. hang for a bit. I like a lot of Thai food Mm -hmm. and Korean food. So like I have a whole... And then like South Bay, there's all this food that's incredible. Like near Garden Grove, Mm -hmm. these Vietnamese restaurants. I'm obsessed with this place, Otafuku, which Mm -hmm. is in Gardenia, where they make their own soba. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the lightest tempura. And this father and daughter run it. But like she's really an artist and like kind of doesn't want to... Anyway, she's... Miko, she's great. All right. But back to like restaurants. I mean, look, Bevel, delicious. So good. I just went to Mother Wolf, Evan Funky, like Felix. Mother yeah, Wolf, I'm dying so to good. go. Yeah. It's like a scene and it's massive. And it was like, I was like, whoa, this is a lot. I, I kind of be like, go to Felix. Like, I don't know. I've been to Felix, but I'm dying to go to Mother Wolf. Got, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's really hard to get a reservation. Yeah, there. no shit. It's like impossible. It's like, what do you have? I think you have to
0: like stay up till midnight and at that minute. Twelve oh one. You must book it. And if not, I, then
1: forget about it. I just emailed someone who I know there. But yes, it seems really intense. And I think you can walk in, but it's they keep that. It's like a tight the barriers <laughs> to enter. I was like, damn, this is like mafia style. I love that. I love Suzanne going like I love AOC if you want to have AOC's like a class great, yeah. yeah, it's so, great. What else do? I mean, I mean literally I'm like where do I go? And what are all your favorites time? for like
0: wines as well? Like obviously mm-hmm. Helens at John, John and vinnie's but like outside John of
1: Vinny's. that? I think for a wine experience I really like going to Lolos, which is it's Lolos wine bar. Mm-hmm. It's in basically Los Feliz. Mm-hmm. It's cute. It's, Amazing, great hospitality. They really get it. I think Roberta's is fabulous in Culver City. It's the same Roberta's as in New York. Mm -hmm. It's pizza, but like Carlo, the chef, is just like got his own unique sort of touch. And their wine list is pretty fab. Sometimes it's fun to go to a place like Spago Mm because they have like such a map for someone like me. Mm -hmm. They have this like thick ass wine list, and it's just like hilarious to like find some little diamond in the rough. I like that, but I don't go there that often. There's a lot of people doing Doing so much cool stuff with wine. It's like, I can't, can't even think. I think Jelena's list is cool. Yeah, it is. I don't know. It's really great. Oh my yeah. God. I, there's like, too many. Like, so just keep... I basically
0: have dinner reservations for every week for the next like You're done. 10 weeks. I'm good.
1: I, the one restaurant I haven't been to that I really want, or there's a bunch, uh-huh. but there's a bunch, there's a lot of sushi I haven't been able to get yeah. into yet, but... There is this one restaurant called En Soto uh-huh. that I really want to go to Never that people that. it's like two women chefs, and it's Japanese inspired with French touches and what it's, that's so cool. You Where? All, yeah, it's in like mid city, I think like is near it the also impossible to I don't know anymore. It if it's, okay. Yeah, it's pretty mafia, God, but yeah. like for good reason. It's small.
0: Okay, Helen, before we wrap, I want to end with a rapid fire. Oh my gosh, okay.
1: I'm nervous. Should I don't I think you should. no, absolutely not. What does that mean? Like I answer right away. Don't think. Well,
0: you can think, okay. but like it's it's quick answers, you know?
1: But chop, I've chop. been
0: I've been pretty delinquent with my rapid fires. I'm like, but why? So but like, yeah. I'm not I don't think rapid <laughs> fire was meant for me. I'm gonna try. All right, listen. Okay. I'm gonna
1: try too, because I get distracted. <laughs> I mean I every answer I've given you I'm like, but then here's a side tangent. No, but I love it. Okay. Well maybe we're, like we're, like we're in my... cahoots. So if you
0: could only drink one kind of wine for the rest of your life, what would it be?
1: Oh, like really good champagne. Really? I mean, like really good. Okay. Not like Veuve Clicquot. No. I'm talking no, like- No, that's like, isn't that like second, third class or something? Or red burgundy, Pinot Noir. Okay. Like, or white burgundy. Favorite vineyard. Where? And for red- Burgundy yeah. or just in general? Burgundy. Ugh. I mean, probably in Chambertin, I would say. Okay. But maybe also Von Romany.
0: Okay. And for champagne? Ooh, Châtillon. You can only drink one for the rest Châtillon, of your life. Châtillon. Champagne?
1: Châtillon. Yeah. P's the maker. Auger or Le Châtillon. So yeah. do you have it at Holland's? We have some stuff, but the one I mentioned at first is like really hard to get. Okay. So we have it. We'll get like two bottles and then we like- don't have it anymore i basically i take it to my house you take it from yeah. both of them home take it to
0: the house okay if if you could give your younger self one piece of advice on achieving your big dreams what would it be
1: like go for it sooner
0: i love that yeah i would give myself the same advice yes. by the way it's yeah. it's simple but it actually it's don't hold back yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent. what is one habit that's a non-negotiable for you
1: habit flossing twice a day
0: love it yeah Tell everyone where they can find you. I also flossed on the way. here. I was like, I have, I'm like insane about flossing. I'm I just insane. went to the dentist yesterday and let me
1: tell you, I need that habit. You need it. <laughs> yeah. I, what was the last question? Where can everyone find you? They can find me on Instagram at Helen's Wines mm-hmm. is great place to find me, Mm -hmm. Mm helenswines.com. I have a personal one too, at Helen Johannesson. Okay, perfect. Yes,
0: And Helen's Wines as well, they can go shop it in person too.
1: You can go in person, you go online, we ship nationwide, we have a wine club. So like you can literally be in any part of the country, join our wine club and we'll mail you wine every month. And then people can try new stuff. I would say that's such a good intro to us. We also do like a seasonal six pack if you just want Six dope bottles in your house every month. It's like 150 bucks. And you have like six great wines. They're all different and they're seasonally driven. Meaning, like this month, we're sending two roses and a white and a light red and a dark red. I'm so it's signing like signing up immediately. You fit every area. And you could be in LA as well. It's just a nice added bonus in case people are in Maine for the summer.
0: <laughs> what? I love that. I don't and know when this is
1: coming out. Tell but.
0: everyone your podcast as well.
1: Yes. So my podcast is called Wine Face. It exists. So you can go back and listen. But it's coming back this fall on Dear Media. I'm so excited for you to come on. Yes. It's going to be really fun. But yeah, Wine Face. Amazing. Really cool. Thank you for coming on, Helen. This was a joy. So thank you so much for having me. It was so good. This is so fun. I know. Oh my God, I
0: actually had the best time. We
1: need round two. Yeah, we we round really two. do.
0: OK, I'm throwing my whispering angel out. I'm I am coming to, to Helen. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people. Learn and unlearn and have a lot of fun. See you next week.